Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Happy Thursday. Welcome to our newest edition of VO Booth Besties, VO101. The goal of this new series is to provide current and credible information to folks who are newer to the voiceover industry and want to learn more from pros who know. There is so much information out there and it can be quite overwhelming. We hope to ease those feelings. Each week we'll have a new topic and occasionally we'll have a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. You can submit your questions or topics you'd like to learn more about through our website, boothbesties.com. And you can also join our Facebook group, um, VO Booth Besties, on, as well. And we'll do our best to cover your questions and topics there. A quick bit of housekeeping in order to stay on topic and get as many of your answers questions. Redo. We, to get as many of your questions answered, we're going to keep hand raising turned off. However, the chat will remain open, and this week I will be monitoring that. Now, without further ado, let's get started. Over to you, AB. All right. So this week we are looking at audio samples for your casting site profiles or possibly for future use on your website. To be clear, we're not talking about a full demo yet at this point. We are talking about short clips samples. And um, this is what you need to complete your profiles and to start auditioning for work online. And then in two weeks, on May 4th, we're going to give you an opportunity to share your samples with us for feedback. And we will talk more about that later. Before we begin to talk about recording anything, if you're listening to this and it's your first time listening to us, we want to make sure that you know we have some really great resources available for you to help you know about your space and your gear and getting coaching and training. And we're assuming at this point in your journey that you have done those things so that you should have had your sound evaluated if you haven't um, and that you know that your space and your gear are ready to record. So we have podcast episodes with Uncle Roy Yokelson, Dan Friedman, and George the Tech Widom that you might find helpful. Those are all available through podcasts, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, or on our website at boothbesties.com. Some other resources that we haven't interviewed yet, but you might find helpful are Tim Tippett's, Jordan Reynolds, Larry Hudson, Frank Verderosa, or David Shin. That's just a few options. There's so many options out there. Um, Dan Reynolds is another one. So, oh wait, it is Dan Reynolds, right? Nope. Jordan Reynolds. Jordan, but who's the guy that works with George Whittem? Dan? Leonard. Leonard, thank you. I'm like, I know it's not Reynolds, but I'm looking at Jordan Reynolds' name. Dan Leonard, he's a great one. What is a sample and where do you use them? So a sample is a short clip of your voice that you're going to upload to your website or use in that playlist um, on a casting site. It has a twofold purpose. And the first purpose is to allow future clients to hear your voice in a variety of ways. So you would have samples that showcase a variety of different styles of your voice, uh, different ways that you sound good, right? The other is to show up in search results on casting sites. So both of the two largest casting sites um, 
they use what you have keyworded and how you have your samples labeled to show search results to future clients. So if someone goes on and they search for female, conversational, friendly, everyone who has a sample with those things is going to pop up and it's going to be different on different sites where, when you're going to rank and how you're going to show up in their search results. But it is really important to have those samples up. The more samples you have, the more search results you're going to show up in. So JT, how many samples should you have ready to go? Generally, five to seven is a solid start. It gives you a pretty well-rounded portfolio. While you want to consider areas of VO that you want to work in the most, most people are like, oh, I want the sexy genres like commercial and promo. You need to be kind of realistic about the areas where you're going to be able to book the most work, especially starting, you know, what's going to pay the bills and help you build a great base of returning clients like telephony, um, corporate narration, e-learning, IVR, on-hold messages. They're a great place to start building client business, and those are going to be great repeat clients. Um, beyond that, you want to think about subgenres. Aim for your strengths. If sultry or gravelly isn't in your wheelhouse, just skip it. Um, it's better to have a sample that represents the work that you do best because that's where you're going to book. An upbeat commercial sample for a new drink, one that's sincere, maybe for a hospital. Um, E-learning, you can do one for new hires that's welcoming and upbeat, and the company is going to use that for everybody who comes into the into the company versus training for a management team or a technical field that's going to be a more professional, drier, straight-to-the-point read. A sample of corporate explainers is always good to have, too you know, those, when you go to somebody's website and you play a video that describes their latest and greatest product, those are a huge part of the work that you're going to find in those online casting sites. And it's good to have some of those, um, again, varying your tones, something more sincere, something more friendly, make sure you've got a good range of the work that you sound best doing. But JT, if we're talking to newer or kind of hobbyist voice actors, how do we know what genre to do or what we even sound good doing? Does that make sense? Like I hear that sure. you're saying that we need to have all different styles. Is this, I need to be researching and listening to other people's demos and get an idea of going, oh, that's what e-learning is. Oh, that's more commercial. Oh, that's corporate narration. And then, and I know we'll get into scripts, but, but is that, is it me kind of listening, doing research, practicing? Do I share it with other people? Do I pitch it to my spouse? Say, hey, do I sound good doing this? Because there are some people that just rock certain genres, like they just mm -hmm. naturally can do certain genres. But how, as a newer voice actor... How do I know? Because I don't want to make, I don't want to sound foolish, right? Right. Um, absolutely going to established um, VO talent to their website or to their profile. Um, if you're thinking about maybe voice one, two, three, there's the top, I don't think it's a hundred now, but a hundred is the cap. They're going to show up first. The platinum members are going to show up first in, in the search pages. And they have a little yellow star. Listen to their samples. Um, think about, because conversational is the rage, 
I know it sounds silly, but think about the way that you talk to other people and what are you listening to that sounds similar to the way you talk in everyday conversation and just try things out. Pick up a magazine, pick up a book, read in different styles and different tones, you know? Um, I, I wanted to add that when you're on voice one, two, three, you can choose whether you view the screen as a talent or as a client. If you go in as a client, then when you go to search, you can see people's, it's, I think it's helpful to see it as a client, to be able to listen to their samples and see what's, um, how they have it set up versus if you're viewing them as another talent, it doesn't look quite the same. So that's helpful. If you're on voice one, two, three, um, click on the little drop down in the top right hand corner of the screen and choose view as a, a client. And JT, just one more thing I'd like you to speak to, and you kind of talked about the sexy or kind of like the, you know, the, the dream genres like promo, like animation, you know, understanding those are also some of the hardest gigs to get, not just from a competitive standpoint, but because there are just certain genres that come through agents that are just union jobs that, you know, like being mindful of dream big, but that you do have to get some work under your belt. You do, you may need to, to do other genres of work to build up to that. You kind of mentioned it, but can you kind of, cause I know you've, you've been coaching in promo. I know I've been coaching in animation and you know, it, there's sometimes, I'm not going to say unrealistic expectations, but certainly when we're talking about VO 101, going from, I just set up my space and I'm getting ready to do samples to, I'm going to be in a Disney Pixar <laughs> movie. Like, <laughs> ah, that's oh, not always, you know, that's not how it works. Sure. I mean, there's always going to be that one person that you hear had that magical connection and just landed that dream job right off the bat. But, you know, let's be realistic. Most of your beginning work and your your early career where you're starting to make money and you're paying for the equipment that you just bought and you're saving up to get a booth, it's going to be in corporate and, and e-learning and those you know, maybe longer form, not as high ticket, but it's a great place to cut your chops and burn your voice in. And I mean, let's be honest, I don't sound the way I did when I started 15 years ago. You start to find your sound and you can slip right into it. You know, I've got the whole millennial thing and I've got my Scarlett Johansson voice and, and then I've got my corporate voice, but you know, I'm going to stand up here and tell you about how your, your day is supposed to be throughout the day. And then I've got my medical narration voice that is a little bit more professional and a little more enunciated. And then I've got some silly character voices that, you know, just kind of like, you know, you'll, you'll get there. You'll learn those things, but start with the basics and, and even take the same piece of copy read it straightforward like you're just talking to a friend and then put the upbeat commercial announcery sound on it and read it like a character in a cartoon that your kid watches or that you watched when you were a kid. Figure out where your strengths lie. One way that um, I feel like I cut my teeth, so to speak, and figured out where my strengths were was that when I first started out, I put samples out in every genre I could think of. I put stuff out and I auditioned for work in all of those. And I found very rapidly that I was booking more in one area. 
And for me, that was explainers. Explainers was my my money maker for the first two years. I I booked probably 80% explainer videos. And it I just liked them. I enjoyed them, first of all. And what you like, you have a tendency to gravitate towards. But I was um, finding that's what I was booking more in. And then so I said, okay, well, if this is what I'm booking in, then I'm good there. So I make more samples there and focus my effort there. But I also really want to work on commercial. So that's when I knew it was time to get some more coaching and commercial work. And, and you kind of find your way a little bit at a time. And now I'm like, okay, I'm booking in commercial. Well, I'd really love to try promo or automotive. That might be where I want to do my coaching next. And I would build some more samples there. But at the beginning, I think it's okay to to put samples out in a variety of genres and test the waters a little bit. We have this idea, I think sometimes like, oh, if I put something out there and it's terrible, then they're going to remember I was terrible. They're, I promise they're not going to remember you. They're not. They probably gave you 10 seconds. They might've given you two seconds. They're not going to remember that you had a terrible automotive sample five years ago, you know? So put it out there, try it, give it a shot. But that being said, where do you find script? Okay, let's talk, let's talk about that a little bit. What you don't want to do is go to a database of scripts on a website like Edge Studios or Voice Actor Websites or Gravy for the Brain and use those for samples and especially not for demos. I know we're not talking about demos, but just throwing that out there again, we're not using these for demos. Why not? Why not, JT? Because 700 people have used those before you came along and there is a high probability that the person who is listening to you read that script has also heard a couple hundred other people read that same script. So <laughs> just just don't. They're perfect for practice. It's a great resource to get in there and practice in those different genres and practice different kinds of reads and practice your different voices for those reads. Just don't use them for samples. So could I transcribe some copy from those and make them unique from myself? What do you think about that? Absolutely. How would sure. I do that? Well, <laughs> like I just mean, change the words a little bit, maybe? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a piece of copy in front of me. Um, let me let me pull something up quick. Well, while you're doing that, yeah, I'll talk about um, I. So the way that I sourced my first samples was just. Um, around my house. So I went to my kitchen cabinet. I was making a demo for my daughter and she's was little at the time. She was only like nine and she loved cream of wheat. So I went to the cream of wheat box and pulled some script off of the box of the cream of wheat box and that the back of the cream of wheat box. And that is what I modified it just a little bit to make it a little more conversational, but that's what we use. And um, you look at the products you buy and like bags of chips, cans of food, and you can find great scripts to record right there in your kitchen. Uh, look at the products that you enjoy in your home. Uh, do you like Apple products? Write a script for Apple. What are the catch lines on the products that you buy? Um, and if you don't have them, write one just really quick about something you like about that product. I mean, I could be like, Oh, I really love DeWalt tools. They help me get things done. They are reliable. And I know that I can count on them to always work and never run out. I don't know. I'm not doing a very good job of writing a script, but you get the point, right? Um, so you could also go into your living room and flip through magazines, flyers. I, I know that NJ talks about using the direct mail that comes to your house, those like 
envelopes full of a bunch of different flyers from a bunch of different companies. She talks about using them for direct marketing, but we can also use them to source stuff for scripts and to modify into copy. So for e-learning or for explainers, um, you can visit science or health websites and read a section of that copy. For business-related content, go on LinkedIn and find posts that you enjoy. Reach out to the person and say, hey, do you mind if I use a little bit of this for a sample on my website? They'll love it. Number one, it makes them feel good about themselves. Number two, you established a contact and created a connection. And number three, you get some good copy to read. So I would highlight that in all of these examples, please don't use the full exact content. There's the Fair Use Act, and it allows us to use a small portion of the existing content to repurpose, but not the entire script. So you would never just go on iSpot, find a commercial, and reproduce that exact commercial and put it out there. Don't do that. Um, just record a bit of it. Okay, so uh, modifying copy. I just went into a pay-to-play that I'm on pulled up an audition and found this one. Um, at Boston Proper, we believe style only gets better with age and that the right look can transform a woman's confidence and express her individuality. That's why we obsess over curating unique, put-together looks that are designed to fit and flatter your body. So you can look and feel effortless, sophisticated, unforgettable. Discover your unique one-of-a-kind style at bostonproper.com. Okay, we're not going to use that for Boston Proper. Swap it out with your favorite clothing store. Let's see. Uh, think, think, think. At Old Navy, we know style gets not gets better with age. Style is unique to you. The right look can transform your confidence and express your individuality. That's why we... And so you see what I mean? Like you can just take a couple small things about it. You can rearrange the wording. You can change the wording. Instead of effortless, sophisticated, unforgettable... Maybe it's comfortable, casual, and uniquely you. Discover your style at Old Navy. So love it. Old I Navy mean, needs to hire you. <laughs> I mean, just like off the top of my head, take some copy that that you connect with, change a couple things out, maybe swap the sentences back and forth, change the adjectives, the brand name. And you've got a unique script. Yeah. So thank you for on the spot, just throwing that together. <laughs> I appreciate that. My question is, um, and NJ brings up, that's way too long. How yeah. long should a sample be? You really don't need to go longer than 15 to 20 seconds. I mean, you can record a whole 30 second spot, but 99% of the time, people aren't going to listen for that long. Um <laughs> In 15 years, I've had exactly one client say that they listened to all of my demos in their entirety, and it took six months for them to choose a person for this project. So I've never seen anyone that picky. I've never seen anyone listen to that much. And how they kept it all straight is beyond me. So really, 30-second max for a commercial. 15 to 20 seconds for a promo. E-learning and corporate narration can run a little bit longer if you don't find a natural break in the script, but I wouldn't do more than like 40, 45 seconds because it's just not going to be listened to. It's a waste of your time at that point. Yeah, I agree. So Casey asks, um, how much editing and production do you do? Do you add music or other effects to make it sound produced? 
a better question I would ask is, can you? So JT, do you want to speak to that? Mm, can you is the, is the question. Do you have access to royalty-free music and effects? Do you have multi-tracking in your DAW? Some of them are a single track. So you're not producing anything with more than one element like that. And you know how to put them? Do you know how to put them in a file correctly? Are your levels going to sound good? I don't know how to do these things. I Uncle Roy set up my audition for me and he did not set up multi-track. And I tried to use it once. <laughs> yeah, not cool. What about you, NJ? So what I would say, certainly for folks um, who are, are interested in creating samples and, and who are newer, um, there is, there's kind of a, um, a double-edged sword where one, you want to present yourself the way you would in an audition, right? And that is you not doing the engineer's job for them. It is you presenting your voice in a quality space, proving that you can self-direct and, you know, have good mic placement, good sound. The double-edged sword is some people would argue that if like JT and AB have already touched on is that if you are not... Uh, confident in your skills to do this, that it could be perceived as you're trying to kind of cover up maybe your sound by adding uh, voices and effects and things like that. For me, this is my opinion only, I don't speak for VO Booth Besties, for Jen Greenfield, I would encourage you to give them your best sound dry because that is going to give them the best understanding of what your voice will sound like in your space as that for for that sample. I agree 100%. I mean, yes, you need to learn production, like basic production, right? Audio processing, how you're going to take that audio. But you will probably never be asked as a voice actor to produce the work fully, to add music. I've only been asked once in my whole career to add music to it, and it was a nightmare. If you can't deliver broadcast quality production, just let it go. I, I do not have a single sample that has any music added, any sound effects, any special tracks. It's all very simple because I agree with Jen. They want to hear and focus on your performance. You don't want them distracted by bad music or an editing choice. So keep it simple. Yeah. I mean, I went to school for engineering. I was in radio. I was a copywriter. I was the production director. It was my job to take all the other jocks' voices and produce the commercials. When I left radio and started in voiceover and put my first studio in, it was because I was writing the copy. I was producing the commercials. I was sending them out to the radio and television stations for the clients. I'm kind of the unicorn in the bunch. Like, can I do that? Yes. Do I do it for samples and auditions? No. And if, if you see an audition that asks you to produce the whole thing and you're not comfortable with it, just pass on it. Generally speaking, the ones that I've seen that do ask for full production, the pay rate is not commensurate with the amount of extra work that goes into that. So yeah. just leave that to the engineers. <laughs> yeah. And I think it speaks volumes that you can do all of that and you don't. So um, George Whittem asked in the chat, like, what do we consider dry? <laughs> That's probably a better question for you, George. But um, I personally, I think that means just your voice with whatever simple, basic processing you've learned to do coaching with someone like George Whittem or Roy Okelson or Dan Leonard. 
Um, but for example, my process is I do a little simple normalization to minus three dB um, and I remove high peaks in my audio. Sometimes that's manually. I have weird, harsh attacks on certain words. And so I pull those down. And then um, sometimes I run a light compression that Uncle Roy set up for me. I don't do it. I wouldn't, I have no idea what it's doing, so I don't do it on my own. So if you don't know what you're doing, don't use one. And then I run a high pass filter. Um, you can listen to our previous podcast with Dan Friedman or Uncle Roy or George Whittem for more details on those specifics. So I was just going to say that for sure, the minus three dB is the industry standard. Mm -hmm. You want to, at the very least, know how to normalize to minus three dB. I am an audition person, like Adobe Audition. So I know you'd go into the hard limiter and you just set it to minus three dB and you run the filter on your entire file. Are people listening to your, you know, samples? So guys, this, please, this is once again, my opinion, the samples just like are, they're, they're, they're your calling card. They're your marketing, right? The auditions are what gets you in the door, guys. So you can have 10 million samples and that's great. Do not use it as a tool, as a marketing tool. Do not assume those are going to book you work. Does that make sense? So, so you still, your auditions need to match your samples that if you say I can do low sultry, sell you chocolate lingerie and you can do that, then when you do the audition, it need you know, you need to be able to prove that you can do that. That's kind of goes back to my point about, you know, delivering dry, meaning this is me, this is my space, this is my sound, this is what you'll get if you hire me. But don't assume the samples alone are going to get you work. Like they, um, AB can speak to this is, uh, you know, on how the, the tagging and using the keywords and things like that can get you pulled up, but it's ultimately going to be your audition guys. It's ultimately going to be doing the practice. Like JT talked about earlier, practice scripts, practice recording, practice your editing and, you know, and then share it with others. Um, other professionals in the VO community get some feedback on that. Am I on track? JT makes a great point about your volume. So when we talk about minus 3 dB, understand if you, if you load samples and I as a listener, I'm the client and I have my laptop pulled up and I'm like, I'm going to listen to all these person samples and I don't change. I put my volume on my laptop at 50% because I can hear at minus 3 dB, I can hear you just fine. And I start going through your samples and once, and your first three samples are right here, minus 3DB. And then when I get to the next one, it sounds like this. And then I get to the next one and it's like, all of a sudden, that's what minus 3DB does for you is it gives me the same volume throughout, no variable changes. If I'm just listening on my laptop and I'm not having to push my volume up or down, it means I can hear it at the same volume, the, how loud it is. Okay, that's all. And at the same time, you don't want your low lower than about minus eight so that you've got a pretty good, like NJ just said, everybody should be at about the same volume when those people are going through and listening to those auditions because that'll get you flagged right away. It doesn't matter how great you sound. If you can't give them an industry standard volume level, they're not going to bother wasting their time 
hiring you just to have to rehire somebody else after the fact because yeah. the client's not going to be happy. So folks, we're at the half hour. We'll do a quick room reset if you've just joined us. We are VO Booth Besties, and this is another episode of our VO 101 series where we discuss fundamental topics about getting into the voiceover industry. And today we're talking about creating audio samples for your portfolio. Um, thank you everyone for joining us. Now let's get back to the interview. And AB, I think we're kind of answering questions, but do you want to check if anything is in the chat? So Casey was mentioning, um, Casey Clack was mentioning that she's trying to decide whether it's worth it to spend her time auditioning or doing samples. And that brings up a really good point. Can you use your auditions as samples? JT? Chances are pretty good that yes, you can. If you auditioned on a casting site, the project, especially on Voice123, there's a box that the client can check. Can I use this as a sample? Yes or no. The other sites will have places in their brief that will tell you whether or not you can use it. If you're not sure, just ask. Um, nobody's going to be offended if you say, hey, can I use this as a sample? Unless you had to sign an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement, they're likely to say yes. If there's an audition you really love, absolutely use it. Because if somebody else booked you on that, then, you know, you did a great job and, and go ahead and use it. I mean, back to the point that NJ was making earlier, those samples are, are like your backup proof. Your audition is going to get you the job. Um, they might listen to some of your samples that have the same keywords or, you know, just to hear that you're consistent in your sound. Yeah. And I would say that a lot of times they, there's two ways that they're going to approach hiring. Way number one is they're going to post a job audition and they're going to listen to a bunch of auditions. You're going to show up in their search in their, sorry, your, this audition is going to show up in your queue based on your samples that you have and how they're keyworded. So for example, on voice one, two, three, if you don't have any commercial samples up, you're likely not going to get commercial auditions in your, in your queue. So people will sometimes say, well, I'm not getting any auditions on voice one, two, three, or I don't get very many good ones. Well, what do your samples look like? Look at your samples and look at the keywords and make sure that you are keywording samples for the things that you want to receive auditions for. Yeah. Voices works the same way. Mm -hmm. um, the way that their method of using those algorithms is a little bit different, but you still need to add those keywords into the title of your samples. It's the same thing. When a client goes in and they type in the criteria for their specs, that's how you get that audition because the algorithm is matching what the client is looking for with the sample names and the keywords in your profile. Yes. And the other way is when they, so they go, one way is that you're showing up, their audition shows up in your queue and then they hear you because you submitted an audition. The other is sometimes they'll go to it and they'll look at it more like a marketplace and they'll do a search for female thirties conversational and they'll get a bunch of talent and they will actually go through and listen to the samples and then send private invites um, to the people that they want to hear from. So those are, that's when samples might be more important that they're good quality. You know, you don't want to just throw, I, we, we, I do not advise just throwing a bunch of samples up that you, that you don't believe are good quality just because you're trying to feed the algorithm. Make sure they're quality samples because they could be listened to They're They might be listened to 
but you want to make sure that they're that you're they're reflective of your quality of work. Let's see. Uh, I Casey asked, "What if you didn't book the gig but still feel it was a strong audition?" Um, or Samita asked the same thing: "If I haven't been hired for that, do I need permission?" This is a touchy. This is a controversial subject, and you're going to find answers uh, both ways. I think if you really loved an audition and you felt like it was strong modify it slightly, change the name of the product, kind of like what JT did, because let's say um, New Balance puts out a shoe ad and they put an audition out and then they haven't actually put that audition out to the public yet, but you've got it on your sample page. It just kind of is tacky. I think that's a little bit tacky before it's actually aired. Um, Once it's aired, I think it's fair game at that point, but you just, that would require so much work to go through and track that down. Fair Use Act allows you to use these kinds of things. Just change the name a little bit, change the the wording, make it your own. But always use it as opportunities to reach out to the client and ask for their permission. But yeah, Jen, NJ brings up a really good point. Voice123 gives you the option to use the audition. It will say at the bottom, there'll be a box that's checked that says, you may use this for your public profile. If that box is not checked, 100% do not use it. But as long as it's checked, you're good. If people aren't, we're talking about voice one, two, three, not because we're promoting it, but just because that's where we're at, what, just what we're talking about. And I want to piggyback on that. JT, didn't you say there's, when you do check the box to add the, the audition as a sample to your site, you're, you were encouraging that we get into the habit of immediately putting it on and, and go ahead and just start labeling it and then using the specs that they had used. And then you're not having to reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah, that is the easiest thing to do. And if you get in the habit of it, it only takes a minute. They used to allow you to add it right to your your samples from the audition and they changed that. But before you lose it in your ginormous file of auditions and forget that, wow, you had that really cool audition that you nailed and um, you wanted to use, go right back in and upload it to your samples and do all your keywording and use the things like NJ said from the client specs for the audition because you know that that's going to show up in a search at some point later because that's what they were looking for to begin with. Yep, I love that. And again, it goes back to that efficiency, right? And then and then we're going to all go back and listen to Danny State's podcast mm-hmm. about about voice overview and we're going to then immediately take that client audition if you have that information and we're going to put it in our CRM. So just building phenomenally fabulous habits <laughs> as we're all starting in our careers. That's exactly what I was going to say next. And while you're in the habit of uploading it, make sure you put it in your CRM so that you can track whether or not you booked it. Um, Oh, interesting. Oh, Casey, you're my hero today. Do you know of any reputable people who offer something like a sample review? Well, let me tell you, in two weeks, that's exactly what we're doing. We are going to have a workday Thursday on May 4th. I know we touched on this a little bit in the beginning, if anybody wasn't with us. Um, it This time it is going to be commercial samples, 15 seconds long. We want you to use your own script uh, instead of the workout that we did where everybody did the same thing. 
We will have details posted on the VOBB Facebook group and on our LinkedIn page. And if you're on our email list, there will be details there as well. If you're not on the email list, go to boothbesties.com and get on the email list. Um, So yeah, in two weeks, we're going to go through and play as many samples as humanly possible in an hour and review them and talk about keywords. And there will also be a spreadsheet for anyone who sent a sample in that if you didn't get to join us or we didn't get to play them all and you want to hear them, you can go in and listen to them and add your own thoughts on that audition and keywords that you would use for it. That I think is going to be invaluable. Um, Casey, we love your inability to shut up. Keep at it. Keep talking. We love it. <laughs> um, Susan asked, do you record at 16-bit or 24-bit? And I'm going to pretend not to be nervous answering this in front of George Whittem. But um, <laughs> I think of it like, am I taking a picture with a bunch of pixels or just a few pixels, right? You're going to get more clarity. Um, but is there really a gigantic difference between 16-bit or 24-bit? I don't know. I, I can't I can't answer that 100%. I just know I record at 24-bit. Um, I loved what he said about the 32-bit float, which sounds like really cool. And now I want to get some sort of a device that allows me to do that. But um, yeah, I think tw- I record at 24-bit. How about you guys? I Yeah, 24, unless the client specs say something different. Exactly, because yeah. I've also switched to 16 based on what their specs asked for like specifically telephony i think wants um like or uh, phone systems like a lower bit rate because they have to have it really compressed and i have had phone systems in the past with the most horrific combination of bit rate and holy cow i mean you sound like, like i would play it the back and it was of africa yeah i know at, yeah yeah, yeah. So, if you get a job for any kind of IVR telephone prompts, always, always ask them or you're going to have to redo it <laughs> yep. because some systems are just bizarre. Yeah. And George says, record at 24-bit, deliver at the client requested settings. And that I think is a great policy. Just record at the, little, at the, the higher rate, but then you can export at whatever rate the client wants. All right. Let's circle back. Back to samples. So do you guys think, is there, um, do we need to coach for samples? I think in the beginning, you're just looking for a coach in general. You're recording your samples after a coaching session is a great follow-up to that session. Um, I had a coaching session with Mark Ryder today and we were doing scripts with, um, we were working on opposites, like where the lines contradicted each other or parts of the scripts. It was like a back and forth kind of thing. I so wished that I had an audition with a script similar to that when I came out of that session. I mean, that's, that's a great time while you're, while you're fresh and you're on fire and you're excited about it to go in and, and record samples, start kind of building a database of scripts that you can keep on hand for that kind of thing. My son is coaching right now with um, with two different coaches and working on different things each week. And so he's got a whole database of, of scripts that he's starting to collect. 
So when he's done one session, like they might work on animation this week and narration next week and commercial this week. And so when you're finished that session with your coach, whatever you were working on this week, it's a great time to go in and pull some of those scripts and record the samples in that genre. Yeah. As long as you have permission. I know I've had coaches who've been like, don't use these. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For anything. So always ask. Um, but definitely, uh, working with a coach is a great way to practice, um, your samples and they'll often ask you, do you have any scripts you want to work on? Pull up a couple of the things that you've written and they might tell you, yeah, that doesn't make sense. You didn't, uh, at least for me, I'm not, I'm an, I'm a talker, not a writer. And so, um, I, I would need someone else's feedback. I usually play stuff for my husband, like, does this make sense? But a coach is a great person to play it for as well. Yeah, I wasn't suggesting that you take the scripts from the coaching session, but the scripts that you've collected or written on your own. Oh, that, yes. That you want to use, like if if you've just done a commercial session and you've got some scripts that you want to use for your commercial samples, while you've got that coach's um, feedback fresh in your mind, I know for me, after a coaching session, I can, I'm like, I'm doing my next audition and I can hear that person in my head saying, is that really how you want to say that? Is that what they meant? You know, and it, so the feedback is fresh and that's a great time to record your, your samples. So Casey asked a question earlier in the session about if it was worth paying someone with an engineering background to produce low cost samples. Um, And typically, no, it's not going to be worth it. However, I do want to point out that when you are making a demo, now it's becoming much more common for them to give you the spots individually as well, which you can then upload as samples. Um, I know that uh, JMC through JMC Demos is also now offering just samples. Like you can hire him just to help you record samples. So there are people out there who will do that. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with the producing side of things, you could always consider recording your own samples and then contacting someone like um, Tim Ratledge, who does uh, editing to do the editing for you. So you have options out there. If you don't feel comfortable, reach out to us and we'll help you connect with the right people. And I think this is a great time to remind everyone. It is so important when, and again, we're talking VO 101 and many of you may already know this or maybe need a reminder, a little refresher. The VO business is not just about your voice. So the other part that just having this conversation, I, and I, I hope you guys are listening and taking notes with everything that JT and AV have shared, is there's also, there's the craft, there's the production. There are so many opportunities to not only grow you as a talent. You know, when we talk about Tim Ratledge, he's a voice actor, but guess what? He also does these couple of things. I am a voice actor. I do about 60 other creative, you know, things. AP's <laughs> laughing at me. Um, in the industry, um, some I already knew, you know, I bring something to the table that I was doing in a past life. Or maybe, again, like I've produced full commercials. Um, and I, I learned it. I, you know, I, I learned my video editing. I learned how to produce. I learned how to lay tracks. I learned how to, well, I'm a writer. I am a writer. So the writing part is easier for me. And I voiced my own commercials. So there's an opportunity here, guys. Yes, get coaching. Yes, work on your voice and your delivery. But there's an opportunity to become an editor, 
Become a producer. I say become a producer. Please don't. I, I think you know what I mean. Learn to be able to produce things maybe for yourself. Learn how to master your, don't, don't pay somebody, take some classes and just learn how to do it. Then you can do it yourself. And then think about what, how you can help your client. Uh, JT mentioned it earlier. There's a time when she was producing stuff. And if somebody asked for it now, she'd be like, mm, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm going to charge you. I, I'm not saying this is necessarily like secondary income and you need to be going that, you know, but, but there's, there's this, if you know me even a minute, I'm a hustler. And a hustler to me is I want to grow and learn and challenge myself and, and, you know, just, I'm always evolving. Let me say it that way. I'm always evolving. So even with just something as, as simple as, as building your sample portfolio to bring everything full circle, don't just go, Hey, who can I contact to, 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 to do the, you know, the mastering for me? Go take a workshop, go meet with a coach, go get on, you know, YouTube with the software that you use. There are literally these companies literally provide you with how-to videos on their own software because they want you to learn. So what an opportunity for you to grow beyond just being, quote, the voice actor and learn to do more. And I tell you what, guys, one of the things I pride myself on is empowering people. And I would love to cheer you on. I would love to empower you to learn to do a lot of this on your own because guess what? You can. You can. <laughs> you just have to want to do it. Okay. I'm off my pedestal. Well, and a lovely pedestal it is because it's so true. At the beginning, we don't know how to do a lot and we learn a little bit at a time, right? And it goes back to my juggling analogy. You pull in once you're really comfortable with what you're doing, pull in something else. And then when you get really comfortable with that, pull in something new, learn producing, learn video editing, all those things, they're all going to help you. Um, and I, I only laughed because you're not, you don't just do all the things you thrive on doing all the things and you're good at them all. And it's just fun to watch you do all the, all of the things. Um, I wanted to bring it kind of around to when we when we get all these samples done, let's say that you get 20 samples uploaded to each of the sites, and you're feeling really good about yourself and you get book and work and you're six months to a year, two years down the road. Can you just leave those samples up and forget about them? No. Here's my, my thought process is that you have a twofold thing that you can do. Number one, you need to be updating those samples every so often because your voice skills are going to change. Like JT said, the way that she sounded at the beginning, I'll tell you, when I go back and listen to stuff I recorded five years ago, I shame on the people who hired me because I sounded terrible. I don't know what they were thinking. But you go back and you listen to your samples. Maybe just have a, a yearly goal to go back and listen through your samples and reevaluate. Is this something I'm still good at? Have I changed in my progression in my career? Is this something I should be re-recording? and do it a little bit differently. Because if you just throw those up there and they are no longer indicative of where you are in your career, you're gonna wanna rethink them. But it also is a very enlightening thing to go back and listen to how you sounded a year or two years ago and recognize your growth. Yeah, I mean, for sure. To go back and, and hear how much you've evolved and changed and how much better you've gotten at your craft is phenomenal. The other thing I was gonna point out is that as you're career goes on and as you progress in maybe the quality of your sound recording space or you change your microphone, if your sound doesn't sound the way that those samples did, 
there's nothing wrong with re-recording the same script and just deleting the old sample and, and using the new one. But if you don't have that sound anymore, I I am absolutely 100% guilty of this. Um, I still have pre-booth samples in some of my <laughs> in some of my sample playlists on casting sites. And if somebody heard that, they wouldn't hire me. I wouldn't hire me. Like they need to be gone. That you need to spring clean. <laughs> spring clean every year, go in and just update those things and make sure that it represents you where you are now. I agree a hundred percent. So we got any other questions we haven't covered? Y'all throw them in the chat if you think of something else. There's a lot of really, really great information that we've covered. Um, just to recap, go back and listen to the audio engineering stuff. Connect with George Widom. He um right now he's got the passport. Is that what it's called? The passport VO? That's correct. And we'll be posting about that in um, the VO Booth Besties Facebook group today. And George has graciously agreed he'll pop in any questions you guys have reference that. Um, please, well, first of all, join our Facebook group, but also stop by and get as, get some information on that as well. Perfect. So um, let's let's wrap things up. So uh, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, connect with each of us and join the Facebook group if you haven't. Um, replays are all available as a podcast at boothbesties.com, on YouTube or anywhere else you find your favorite podcast. So share your comments, like and subscribe. So as AB mentioned at the top of the hour, and I mentioned briefly, we're going to have an opportunity for you to share your shiny new samples with us in two weeks. We recommend that you set a goal today to prepare, prepare five samples in the next week. We're going to send out all the details for that Thursday workday in our newsletter on Monday. And again, in our VO 101 next Thursday, you'll see the details in the Facebook group on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, <laughs> those are the two places we primarily are. Yeah. And thanks, you guys, for being here. We will catch you on Monday at 5%. 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, our guest will be Jen Henry, as well as a guest bestie, Amy Stafford. Um, Jen is going to be chatting with us about a problem that most of us have, and we don't even know it. And if you want to find out what that problem is, you're going to have to join us to find it out. So head over to boothbesties.com, submit any questions that you have that you'd love to see covered in upcoming episodes, and we'll do our best to cover them. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.